0: So you went to the home opener the other day? I did. Did they raise a banner? They did not. Because my team is raising a banner. Isn't that what we do now? Isn't that what happens?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen uh, <laughs> a team
0: win. <laughs> it was, you know, I was I was being such was a like, shit at work this yeah. week with with like the biggest Leafs fan in the office. I, I came this close to putting a banner on his office door saying like one game one. <laughs> but uh I was, I was like come on man that, that, that's what we do now isn't it listen it's all right hey, listen I, I am jealous that you get to go it was really so, yeah that's true i have so, access so, you know, to I, it yeah when i saw that on your on your instagram feed i'm like god I'm damn so it so happy welcome to wherever you are my name is ryan mcneil toronto canada you are listening to episode 231 of the matinee cast it's the movie loving podcast i'm a movie loving website thematinee.ca your home for cinematic passion and perspective. We are back, baby. We took a break for September. We are now going into a much more busy month, so I think I need to rethink when we take our breaks. But um, it, was, it was a great time off. Um, saw some movies, got, uh, got Tiff over and done with and it was a really good tiff uh, all around by by every, all accounts that i talked to and um and we're ready for uh, for a fall season worth of shows it's a new season of the podcast and um <laughs> we're starting with a barn burner of a movie today and a barn burner of a guest if i do ah. say so myself um i've said it before i'll say it again there is nothing like making friends with your friends friends because you meet some amazing people and being the Sneaky weasel that I am, I usually doesn't take me long to be like, "Hey, do you want to be on my podcast?" And the universe aligned because the guest I have today and the movie I have today could not be more of a perfect fit for a wonderful discussion. Um, she contributes all over the bloody place, and I do mean the bloody place. She uh, contributes at the Daily Dead. Nightmarish, conjuring's, and dread central. We're home in Casa del Hatter today. We're we're deep in the bunker today. If, we're in, if it sounds a little bit different, do not adjust your set. Lindsay Travis is here. How are you, Lindsay? Hello.
1: Travis? I'm so good. I'm so excited.
0: It's uh. It, it, <laughs> I was, just, it was. I I felt bad because I remember. I think I asked you if you wanted to be on my show before I even really knew you. Like it's like a second little meetup. I'm like, you wanna come talk about yeah, Joker.
1: Because I never stopped talking about Joker, so I think you, like, <laughs> clocked that, like, five minutes into meeting me. You were like, oh, she talks about Joker a lot. And then you were like, do you want to be my Joker podcast? And I was like, wait, I get to officially talk about Joker yes. for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you're like, where do I sign? I'm Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to give me coffee? Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so on episode 231, I've, I've actually just spoiled the lead. We will be talking about oh my Joker. Oh, sorry. That's quite all right. We'll be turning the record over to play the other side. But first, we all need to learn more about Lindsay. This is no Your end. The time to prepare. Yes, Uh, my best counselor, you've you've got copious notes there. I do. I'm a
1: note taker. Dear Lord. No, but this is your notes, and I wrote on your.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Oh, oh, that's (laughs) mine.
1: Yeah, that's yours. (laughs) I wrote on your.
0: your Yeah, that looks terrible when I see it like that. No. Um, Do tell. What is what is your memory of a first film scene?
1: I think, and uh, I I need to confirm with my mom, but I'm quite confident my first movie was Beauty and the Beast. I remember. The uh, 1991 version? I guess so. Okay. So I would have been four
0: ish. I love feeling old on this show. Yeah. There you go.
1: (laughs) I was like, oh God, was I like 26 when I saw my first movie? (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I remember going with like my aunt and maybe some cousins, and it was such a thrill. It was like going to the theater. Like, Mm. I remember thinking of it as this big, massive event. Right. And it was Beauty and the
0: Beast. Was it, do you remember anything about the night? Like, was it a crowded house? Was it, like, it kind was, of just sparse kind of crowd? It was
1: sparse, which is why I wonder if we went at, like, noon. Probably. And I just, like, thought it was, like, a night out. I mean,
0: if you're taking the kids, right? Yeah. But still, that's the thing I love about going is you, you are going into night. Right? right. Like, day into night, just just like that.
1: But, like, yeah, lights turn off. You don't know what time it is. Yeah. What and is this magic that is happening? Exactly. And it was just so magical to see, like... We watched, like, a lot of the Disney movies at home, yeah. and my parents always let us watch movies and TV and stuff. And uh, and look what happened. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I remember thinking it was, like, such a thrill to see this, like, giant screen. Playing.
0: Do you remember anything about the actual cinema itself? Like, was it in the city? Like, I, I I don't know you that well. Did you grow yeah. up here? Or? No,
1: I grew up in the suburbs. Okay. I'm quite confident it was uh, this theater... It was either in Thornhill or Richmond Hill would okay. make sense. It was in a mall, wasn't it? It was definitely in a awesome. mall. Like, I'm. there's a good chance it was, like, the Promenade Mall
0: R- oh, Cineplex. I remember that
1: one. Probably.
0: The place was a dive.
1: It was. And like, then they in made hindsight, it,
0: at the time, it seemed amazing, didn't
1: it? Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. And then they turned it into a rainbow cinema when I was in, like, high school or undergrad, I guess. Right. And really um, Yeah, and it was free <laughs> most days. What? Yeah, because they just weren't making money, so they would just have, like, free movie day, pr- like, assuming you're going to buy popcorn and a drink and stuff. Okay. So you could just go for free huh. to movies, which, don't ask me how that works. No but, kidding. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah, Rainbow was I think it was, like, Tuesdays were free and Wednesdays were half price. It was, like, wild.
0: Beauty and the Beast would be a really good one, because that one's really, like, I mean, besides the fact that... As far as an animated feature, it's a masterpiece. Masterpiece. It's it really plays up like the magic, and you got all this, the, the the really great music yeah. in it. Um, like as a, yeah, like it, like you said, look what happened. Like as a yeah. kid, you must have just been like wide eyed and mystified. Oops. So aside from the movie that we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. being Mister Joker, actually, which wouldn't even qualify because you saw that way before I my did. ass. I
1: did. Um, I had to. Well, you
0: did, of course. <laughs> uh, what was the last movie you saw?
1: The last movie I watched was New Nightmare, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I remember that one. Love that. Okay. I was actually talking about it on a different podcast, right. so I was like, oh, I have to rewatch it for work. Um, <laughs> so I love that movie, and so I watched that on I'm my DVD box set.
0: Well versed with the nightmares. I've seen one and three.
1: Those are generally accepted as the best two.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh.
1: Oh, well, so they're not your fave.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, like, one I love. Mm -hmm. One I adore. Three, I I saw it because people were like, it's kind of like the freakiest one. It's the most messed up one. Um, That's the one where, like, the one person gets turned into, like, a marionette by their own Yeah, which is really
1: scary. Yeah.
0: um, I just, I I think as well, when I watched it, I had bad memories associated Mm -hmm. with it because I grew up around a bunch of, like, really horror-obsessed kids in, like, the late 80s oh. who usually made me feel shitty that I wasn't watching these movies. And I just, one, I wasn't allowed. Right. Two, I, I, I was genuinely, like, terrified of that yeah. kind of thing. So I was like, oh, this is what you were all going on about, you bunch of jerks. Right. Um, but, like, as far as, like, the story goes, like, the story was pretty cool. Uh, the, but New Nightmare, that was the one, that was, like, 90s, wasn't it? Those was, They yeah, did relaunch it.
1: It was kind of like a
0: capper for a while.
1: Yeah, I want to say 96-ish. Thereabouts. Um It's a meta-sequel, huh? uh, which is the type of nonsense I just love. Right. Um, One of the best meta-sequels, and there are lots. Um, And so it's a meta-sequel. So basically, Wes wrote and directed the first one. He had his hands in the third one, but um, it kind of lost the series. And so this is He Comes Back... And uh, it's a, it's focused on Nancy or uh, Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy Thompson in the films. And yeah. it's basically Heather in real life dealing with being the scream queen and kind of going about her, her regular life as a mom. And hmm. uh, Wes is back to make a reboot. And it's, the film is trying to convince her to be in this reboot. But it's because Wes thinks that it's the only way to really trap this demon. So Freddie, or a version of Freddie, comes into real life
0: you're actually selling me on this movie. It's like, so good. And the thing is, I had no <laughs> I love interest it. in it. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds genius. It's
1: so good. Oh, man. I think it's so great. And I talked about this for, you know, two hours on another pod recently. And wow. I could keep going. I could keep going, but. That's longer uh, than the movie is. Yeah. It? I yeah. love shows <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. It's, uh, So it's great because it's just, there's a lot of themes into it. There's a lot of themes of legacy, like Wes Craven trying to protect his legacy and Mm -hmm. the character that grew out so much bigger than him and seeing it become like a cartoony character for kids and that's not ever what he intended and trying to get it back there. It's also a really interesting study of you know, Heather Langenkamp as a mother and dealing with her life after being a Scream Queen, trying to get regular work and balancing, you know, her kid, being scared of Freddy and how that I need affects to see this her. Movie. I so, so good. need to see
0: this movie. Oh it's my God.
1: great. I hope Why if I saw someone else.
0: Do I have memories of a scene in the ads, like, the glove comes to life and, like, scurries across the counter? Yeah,
1: it's the opening scene. It's the
0: opening... Okay, so I don't feel so bad. Yeah, so there you go. Way to go. Nicely done. (laughs) Uh, This might get dangerous considering your proclivities to uh, scary films. Oh, no. What is one of the worst movies you have ever seen?
1: So this is a hard one because I've seen a lot of bad movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I watch a lot of bad movies. I've seen a lot of, like, really bad festival movies Mm -hmm. that just have no business. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's tough, because you don't want to tear apart some, like, poor kid's, you know, first feature uh, versus, like, an actual bad movie. And, like, you know, we were talking, like, I could rip apart Batman versus Superman and tell you that's the worst movie I've ever seen. But it's not. I've seen way worse movies. Um, So actually, and I hate to do this, I already feel terrible about how much I ripped this apart at the festival. But I saw this movie... Last year called uh, The 27 Club, which it's going to be hard for you to find because there's about 50 movies called The 27 Club, so I don't feel so bad. You guys won't be able to find it. All right. Um, And it's...
0: What is this opus about?
1: (laughs) So if, if you're not familiar with The 27 Club, it's basically a bunch of celebrities that died at 27... So, you know, Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse. And, Jim Morrison,
0: Josh yeah. Joplin.
1: Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. So, exactly. So, it's kind of this myth- mythical thing, and there's been a lot of scary movies made about it. So, this movie was one of those um, where the idea was that there was this demon that gives you talent, but kind of in exchange for it, you die at 27. Okay. Right. So there's a lot of odd implications because the implication there is that all of these amazing artists only got their talent from a demon, which is kind of disappointing. Well,
0: I mean, (laughs) okay, the the really, really deep reach Mm. with that, I mean the extremely deep reach, and there's no way that these filmmakers were thinking of it, Mm -hmm. is the original member of the 27 Club is Robert Johnson. Okay. who allegedly made his deal with the devil to become a blue, the, the great blues guitarist that he was. And he still died okay. at 27. Interesting. There's no way that that was where they were going, because so. otherwise they would have brought it up and you probably would have led with it. Yeah. But but still, it's like, that's that's a okay. really... That, that, that's that, a deep
1: cut. I actually yeah. didn't know that, so yeah. maybe but, I'm wrong. No, um, I,
0: I don't think that that's where they're going. Yeah, otherwise, I think they would have put it in their movie.
1: Right. Yeah, it just felt kind of really disrespectful to all these people. Mm. And then another thing is that... The um, the demon basically makes you kill. Oh God! So it also was like, oh cool. So I guess they're all murderers. Um, oh, so I'm like, uh, so I was like, no. that's not super cool. But I think the worst part. So like that definitely was what stuck in my cross, such that even though I wanted to like it, I was like, eh. But um, because I didn't like that part, I get to nitpick it. <laughs> and so they did this thing where they would do these flashbacks. Obviously, like cheaply made first feature, written, directed, produced by by a guy. Yeah. And again, I feel bad. I'm still just ripping this poor movie apart. But um, they did these flashback scenes, or not flashback scenes? These like dream sequences where the dead celebrities would speak to the camera in these like weird poetic monologues, okay. as like these like interlude scenes. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like this guy in a dollar store plastic wig, and it was backlit, so you could see that the wig was bad, <laughs> doing like a weird Kurt Cobain impression. And oh, then, boy. and they, yeah, and the Amy Winehouse one was this like very obviously not British chick doing a very obviously not real British accent, oh, like boy. almost this like East London mess where she's like, "I'm Amy," and you should, and you're like, "No, I no, cast you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. you're just like no movie, no." But I really wanted to like it because I had a very good time at the festival.
0: Next, what is uh, a classic or so-called essential film that you have not yet seen?
1: Sure. Another one I really agonized over, but Raging Bull. Mm, okay. And I'm sorry, everyone. I've never seen Raging Bull. <laughs> um, obviously, in with our subject today, I've been thinking about Scorsese more than usual, which is wild because I think about Scorsese all the time. Right. Um, and I, it's just... For some reason, I just haven't seen it. It's wild to me. I think I make all these comparisons about his movies and what I like Mm. the best and him working with De Niro and what works and his style and everything. So I just think it's wild that I haven't seen it, but that's my big gap. That's
0: uh, I mean, that's as as far as modern cinema, that's certainly a gap. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting that you bring that up because we did an episode about Raging Bull Uh. uh, back in June for, on my birthday show, we tend to do um, my favorite, some of my favorite movies. And just because the beginning of June seems to be this weird spot on the calendar where crap comes out. Okay. So I got tired of dedicating my so-called birthday show to, like, Pirates of the Caribbean 4. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we need to start doing this a different way. And what we started doing was uh, dedicating it to some of my favorite movies. So we've done episodes on, like, Almost Famous and High Fidelity and right. uh, Bull Durham. And this year we got around to, like, you know, now we're down the list a little bit. So mm-hmm. we're not in, like, the top five territory anymore. Um, but we did Raging Bull. And this... Strangest thing happened. I realized that while I still believe it is a technical masterpiece, I don't like it as much. Because I'm evolving and the world is changing and watching Two Hours and Change dedicated to uh, an absolute beast of a man who can't come to grips with his own shortcomings mm-hmm. doesn't strike me as a good time right. anymore. It was, it's actually an, an incredible setup for the movie that we're going to talk about later, as mm-hmm. are many of Scorsese's movies, mm-hmm. where they're technical marvels and they are just tour de force performances. But as the world goes on and things continue to change, it's like, these are not stories that I necessarily want to surround myself with mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I would never say don't see it. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's not, I would never say, like, put it in a box and don't ever revisit it. Right. Um, including myself. Like, it, like, after re-watching it and realizing I don't, like, you know, I need to reshuffle the order... It's not like I got rid of my Blu-ray. You know, yeah, that's yeah, still, that's still on the shelf in a very nice spot. Um, but I, so I, I, would be interested to see what you think when you yeah. do eventually catch up with it. Um, I mean, if you were gonna, they're playing at Lightbox.
1: Yeah, I think I so saw say, that with yeah,
0: the so if, retrospective. Yeah, so if you're gonna see it, if you hadn't seen it yet, I'd say like in a theater is probably that's your probably best. The best way. But it's handsome. Yeah, it's really, really handsome. Um, I'm sure you'll catch one of the big problems. Right away, like I wouldn't even have to tell you mm-hmm. that in 2019 this story is problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll it'll jump right out at you. Yeah. So I'll be cute if you do get to see it at Lightbox, or okay. if you do just throw it on for kicks, yeah. um, I would be interested to hear what you have to say. But it's so weird that that's the one you mentioned because I I've I've really had to struggle with that in my in this in 2019. Your prompt
1: will be the catalyst of me seeing mm. it,
0: but it's well, interesting. <laughs> like it's it. it's nuts. I did not see that coming. Yeah. When when I when I rewatched it, I'm like.
1: Oh. I think that happens a lot, though. There's so many essentials that I think there's, well, not necessarily essentials. A lot of movies it's easy to just have not seen. And then oh, yeah. it's hard to sometimes look back at them for a couple reasons. Like, one, contextually, you know, mm-hmm. things that don't fly and you have to go in knowing, okay, this came out in, you know, 1986 and approach it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you can't watch the old James Bond movies and be mad about him tapping ladies on the butt because yeah. you're like, okay, I would be mad about this now. Yeah. yeah. But you, when you watch them for the first time now, you're like, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of that. And then, even technically, like sometimes watching old scary movies that, you know, don't play the 70s or 80s aesthetic super well, you're just like, oh. I usually say, like, at the end (laughs) of
0: the day, it comes down to tone. Yeah. And I mean, the tone for what the James Bond movies are trying to do still do what, like, you know, what what a spy movie generally does. Um, The tone of this movie is what strikes me as really kind of gross now. Interesting. Um, but it's 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 bonkers because one of the things I always come back to is it might very well be the best movie of the eighties, and yet it does not at all seem like an eighties movie. Hmm. You know, it's strange that Rocky came out in seventy six and um, Raging Bull came out in nineteen eighty, and yet they feel like they should be in the opposite years. Interesting. So when you see it, we'll talk again. Okay. Uh, okay. Last but not least, for any rhyme or reason, what is a movie that you wish that you had made?
1: Source code. What? Why? I, I mean, know. I
0: enjoy that movie, but. <laughs> Why?
1: Okay, so for any reason... Please. ...is what really got me, because I was thinking in my head, you know, I wish, I wish, and again, obviously, I like Scorsese, I wish I made Goodfellas, because I wish I made the Essential Mafia movie. Mm, That's, like, a dream to me. I love it. I love, you know, those things. But I was, and then I was like, hmm. I really like horror comedies. I wish I made a horror comedy. I was like, no, I could never deliver on right. something like that. I could never do better than anyone else. And not that I could do better on Source Code, okay. but I'm very, very into time loops. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even though Source Code isn't really a time loop proper, it's not about time travel or time loops per se. It's mm-hmm. a reset in a yeah. really cool way. And I love the idea of breaking down a scene such that you create a version of it, and then you create it again where if I watched it again 20 minutes later, if I, like, rewound and rewatch the first scene, I would notice things that I didn't see happening. Okay. And I, like, as an audience member, learning as much as the character is in a movie that's playing with time. Oh, my gosh! So, I, I think... Cause so, first of all,
0: I love that movie. Yeah. So, like, well done. Thank you. Um, First of all. Second of yeah. all, I mean, I, I always think about that movie. The movie saddens me a little bit because I feel like that's where we kind of lost Duncan Jones. Yeah. After that, he's made some kind of... Crazier and crazier stuff, where he's like, just been able to play with more and more money.
1: Yeah, and like, aesthetic. Yeah, over his yeah. like better at stories. Um, but yeah, I
0: love I love it for it's a it's a much more compact and um, lower. Even though it's not really low budget, mm-hmm. like it's handsome and it has a lot of money to throw around. But it's a smaller version of Edge of Tomorrow.
1: Yes. Which I also adore. That's exactly what I was thinking too. For the
0: same for the same reasons. For the same. We're going to run it again, and everything that we put in place already that you may or may not have picked up on, we're going to pick it up again, Mm -hmm. and you're going to start seeing this stuff. Oh, man, that's an amazing answer.
1: Yeah, thank you. I thought that would be really fun. Yeah, no,
0: that's a great one. And now I'm going to have to rewatch that because it's been far too long. (laughs) I love that movie so much. So good. Well done. Uh, All right, there we go. That's uh, that's a lot about uh, Lindsay. We're going to learn more about her when she hopefully comes back for another show if we don't scare her off today. (laughs) Um, We ordinarily keep the conversation spoiler-free on the matinee cast, but uh, not today because this movie needs discussion right up until its bitter end. So uh, consider yourself warned, all ye who enter here. Uh, We are going to spoil the holy hell out of uh, today's movie. Today's movie on the new slang is Joker, right after this. Let them live while they can. Let them spend. Joker is written and directed by Todd Phillips along with Scott Silver. It stars Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, zazie Beats, Francis Conroy, and then appearances by a whole bunch of other people that I'm not going to list, including Brian Tyree Henry. If this movie has one crime, it's wasting Brian Tyree Henry.
1: I also won't stop talking about Gary Gullman being in
0: it. He's the one who plays Thomas Wayne, right?
1: No, Gary nope. Gullman is the comedian. Oh, he's the comedian!
0: Yes, yeah, we'll talk about him.
1: Yeah, okay. I can't wait.
0: Um, Joker is the story of the clown Prince of Crime. Some 25 years ago or so, Gotham City was falling apart at the seams. There, we meet Arthur Fleck, that's Phoenix. A troubled loner looking after his mother and making ends meet as a clown. Sometimes he's a clown cheering up hospital patients, sometimes he's a clown holding up signs for clearance sales. However, there's a position for a clown, there he goes. But it's hard out here for a clown, and when Arthur isn't getting jumped, he's slipping through a mental system that's ill-equipped to deal with him or being mocked for as he bombs trying to be a stand-up comic. Eventually, it all just becomes too much for Arthur. He kills three Wall Street broker would-be assailants and slips further and further into darkness. It doesn't take long before Arthur isn't here anymore, and a new persona named Joker is wearing his tacky suits. This is an audio medium, so I need to paint a picture for you, dear listener. Lindsay Travis is about five foot four, has dark hair that's fraying blue at its edges, big brown eyes, behind cat's eyeglasses, and most importantly for the purpose of, the, of this discussion, has a tattoo of the Joker on her left forearm. Today's guest is a disciple of the gospel according to Cain and can run circles around the average comic book nerd, myself included. So, ah. pop quiz hotshot. Oh no. What does the Joker mean to you? Okay. And was that present in this movie?
1: Um the Joker means a lot to me obviously. I'm a huge Joker fan. Um I think what's important when people talk about villain fandoms is that I can be attracted to a character and how a character is written and not be attracted to how they behave. Yeah. And when I say attracted I don't mean.
0: You can be drawn. Uh,
1: yeah, 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 exactly. Um so uh for me the Joker represents a um what I think is presented as a dichotomy to Batman, the opposite of him. I think is really his companion. And I really agree with kind of Joker's thesis generally that they're more the same than different. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're good versus evil. I think they're really the same and it's, you know, two people given the same being very similar behaving completely differently, which I think is really interesting. Uh, I love villains, I always have, I find them really compelling. Part of what I've always really liked about Batman is that he dances with villainy, so I find him a lot more compelling than a character like Superman, who's the good guy, who's maybe had some struggles, but he's a good boy, and that's just really not for me, I'm not, you know, <laughs> no disrespect to Superman, he's just not for me, um, so that's always why I've been really attracted to Batman and Batman comics and Batman stories, and the same, Joker's just really an extension of that. I think he's just a very cool um, exploration of pure evil. I think his stories are really fun and deep, and I think it's cool to watch how he messes with Batman.
0: And was that present in this movie?
1: It was not. <laughs> uh, um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this at length, but I don't feel like it was present in this movie. I think what's always been important in Joker stories, and I can't say about every single one, but most if not all, is I've never been asked to feel anything for Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this movie asked me to feel something for him, uh, which I didn't like at all. I also think that Joker is best when he's against, up against Batman. I think that, you know, just like you wouldn't have... Rita Repulsa without the Power Rangers, you wouldn't have Joker without Batman. Right. And I think um, having a standalone Joker is is difficult. And I think the movie tried to ramrod some Batman in there to give him a motivation, but I just feel like it really fell flat.
0: Yeah. I I am less the Batman guy. Mm-hmm. I I uh, had a very very mo- big moment of Catholic guilt when I like came at you on Twitter for like how much I don't like no. Batman, but I I've I've got a lot of Batman in me. He was somebody who I read for a very long time. I've read several of the big stories, mm-hmm. um, and still do. Um, it's it's just kind of where I'm at now with with my fandom. I've I've drifted yeah. from that. Um, but for me, the Joker um, always embodied pure chaos. Yes, right. A, a complete lack of reason, of um, like viciousness and violence. Um, it was really strange to me growing up because I think my first. Um, experiences with him were the 1960s show where it was Caesar Romero and, and he was very much a clown, mm-hmm. and the animated cartoon in the 80s where he was a little bit le- like a little bit less clowny, um, but still not what he was in the comics. So it was. I remember it was my cousin, who's about six or seven years older than me um, at the time in the late 80s, said he's actually really violent, and yeah. if you're interested, I'd like to show you some stuff. And I think the first book he ever showed me was Death in the Family. Yeah. So. The whole idea that this is somebody who can kill without remorse and does it just to mess somebody up, you Mm -hmm. know, or or mess up a bunch of people. I've always thought that is what this villain is. And what makes him so terrifying is the complete lack of reason. They say that the best villains are the ones that, in the right lens, are actually kind of reasonable, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Thanos' whole thing of... The world is just too big, and we need to cull the resources in a really, really strange prism. Kind of makes sense, yeah. You know, or or just like Melville, right? You know? Like you just the 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 Capney Had kind of makes sense, right? The Joker makes absolutely no sense, and that was not what this movie was doing. This movie was actually, like you said, in terms of trying to make you feel sorry for him, it was trying to make sense of him, and yes. that was that was going to be an uphill battle the whole way and I don't know that it nailed
1: it I did not like it (laughs) Um, I'll give it the benefit that I feared that I wouldn't like it for different reasons and I ended up not liking it so why did you
0: think you wouldn't like it
1: I thought and I think a lot of people thought this and the trailers let us think this so I don't think anyone was wrong to feel this way I thought this movie was going to paint Arthur as a sympathetic protagonist and ask me, as a viewer, to feel sorry for a guy who gets bullied and then becomes mad and kills people. Yeah. I think... That really is how
0: this movie is being sold.
1: It is. And I think the people that feel that way are justified to. Because the trailers really, really painted that picture. And even though I don't ultimately think the movie did that, it did not do that. Yeah. So when I sat down for the movie, I thought, like, great, I'm going to have to feel bad for, you know, this Joker version. And I was pretty upset about that especially in 2019 i was like i can't believe it and i you know watched the trailer and that clip of arthur talking to i believe it's a social worker i'm not sure if it's a therapist i think it's a social worker uh his social workers and he's saying you know i'm depressed and all i have are dark thoughts i was pretty angry that this was going to be another story of depressed man goes mad Mm -hmm. um so yeah so I'm trying to give the movie the benefit that I don't think that it ultimately did that, but I also don't think it didn't do that. Like I yeah. don't I think in a vacuum, I wouldn't take this as a movie that's about a depressed guy going mad that I'm supposed to feel bad for, but I don't think it's wrong to analyze it that way. No, and
0: and that that very much is how this movie sets itself up. I mean, you know, both of us could be here for for days talking mm-hmm. about how one of the great things about Joker as a character is his backstory has never been defined, Mm -hmm. right? There's been kind of rough paintings that the bigwigs up at DC have been saying, yeah, that's kind of it, and that's kind of it, but there's no official, this is where he started. Yeah. Which is what makes him work, right? Like, he just showed up fully formed and messed up.
1: Yeah, like, I could talk about that for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I think that there are a lot of Joker origin stories. I think there are a lot of successful Joker origin stories, and there are some unsuccessful ones. I think the thing about... Uh, you know, kind of going back to what you're saying about villains that most villains can be reasoned with, and a lot of villains have a limit that way, mm-hmm. so you know Mr. Freeze just needs to get the diamonds to get the money to save his wife, and that 's what he 's doing he 's only villainous because yeah, and you know that 's always what we 've identified with in villains, just like like Thanos and and everyone else so what 's exciting about Joker personally, I find exciting is that he's now doesn 't have a limit we really don 't know the limit of his madness, which right. makes him unpredictable and just pure evil, so there have been really great origin stories the best ones where they've still never given him reason or a limit. Yeah. And so I think you can have a Joker origin, but he still needs no reason and no limits. And
0: that's what this movie fails to do. It's a a really big task to try to take this kind of a character and say this is why he is the way he is. Mm -hmm. Because the way he is... Is nuts. It's unfathomable. You know, it's it's not it's it's not to say it's not to to, to slam people with mental health to say right. they're nuts. This is a person who thinks nothing of killing. Right. And that's when you cross the line into capital N nuts. Yes. On a large scale, like in this movie, we don't see it to the scale that he will eventually go, depending on which version of Joker you want to take. Mm-hmm. But this is somebody who canonically has done some just horrendous stuff.
1: Horrific. And if you want to
0: say to me that he got there. Because of here, I don't know that i buy it. And the weird thing is, that's still not, for me, the hardest thing about this movie. Um, I saw it last night. This is uh, one of the closer shows in terms of me watching and then talking. And I haven't even written about it yet. Because, um, you know, none of enough has been written <laughs> about this movie yet. Um, but I, I, I came away, I, I like I said to you when you first showed up, I spent three quarters of this movie feeling... Just deeply uneasy. Mm -hmm. You know, I I never really was able to kind of sink into it. And then the last quarter feeling repulsed. Yeah. Because it wants to explain away his logic or his lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And it it, it's not an explanation. It's a terrible monologue that then leads to him being lionized. Yes which is to kind of skirt ahead to the end of this movie, the most problematic thing about it is it doesn't want to just tell you this is where the darkness came from. It says this is where the darkness came from, and you know what? The darkness is pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, That's where this movie has the biggest trouble.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The end was really tough. I think the movie spent a lot of time creating the tone of, uneasy. I
0: mean, to great effect. Like, yeah. we're not, neither one of us is saying that a film that makes you feel uneasy is oh. bad. No, no. Like, by by all means. Like, like that's, that's actually kind of an achievement.
1: That's what I was about to yeah. say, is that I think that that would have been an achievement, but I really don't think... I think it was a lot... Style over substance isn't a bad thing, but I really felt style over substance. I don't think the movie earned it. I don't think that, you know, in a very early scene, that scene I was talking about where he's talking to a social worker... I have no reason to feel uneasy. The movie has painted no picture for me. I don't know who Arthur Fleck is. I don't know that he's really a loser. Yet. He had a bad day at work. Who hasn't? Yeah. I had that bad of a day. Yeah. It's, it was, you know, who hasn't had a not great day at work? Yeah. So I didn't feel tense, but then I was seeing these wide shots with fluorescent flickering lights that are toned blue and orange with like, bom, bom, score. And that was begging me to feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I don't feel tense. What am I tense about? I don't think, you know, make me think he might kill that social worker. Yeah. Make me think he might snap. Make me think that when he's telling a story about how he's okay, he's going to be flashing back to something scary. And I'm not saying I want to make, I'm not rewriting this movie. No, no, no. My point being I had nothing to feel tense about and the movie was begging me to be uneasy and I, I personally wasn't. Like, it was creating this uneasy tone, but around nothing. I don't know what I was supposed to feel stressed or tense about. So that to me felt really hollow. And then in the end, we get to this tense monologue that just went on for so long that really took me out of it. It was so, it was, I don't want to say unrealistic because I think the best comic book movies are unrealistic, but man, cut to commercial. What are you doing? Why is De Niro grilling this guy
0: on live TV on
1: live television? about a horrific crime it made no sense to me and these things shouldn't make sense but the more you steep it in realism the more I'm gonna ask of you to make it make sense mm-hmm. and it just really took me out of it so I felt like it was asking me to be uneasy for three quarters of a movie and I just simply wasn't yeah and then it was asking me to be shocked for three quarters of a movie and I simply wasn't and then in the end I was supposed to be really shocked as they were throwing madness at me and all I could think was why is this happening
0: yeah I it's it's crazy because some of the moments where I felt the most affected were just throwaway moments like in in the beginning he's really really working in his clown shoes like he's like stretching this like rubber leather thing it's making a great noise like the foley artist is really earning their money love that and his back like you can see like every tendon in his in his back like stretching this thing yeah and I'm like I don't know why, but I really don't want to watch this right now. Or, um, later on when he really starts embracing the clown makeup as kind of war paint, um, he had, he's, he starts kind of crouching low. He's got it. He's got just the white, like he looks almost like something between like a mime and like a kabuki yeah. actor. And he's doing crazy things with his body and same thing, like watching that. I'm like, Oh, that's like, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's like Baroque right, right there, you know? Um, those were the moments mm-hmm. where I was really really out of it but then the movie doesn't go anywhere with them it, yes. it it goes it just kind of abandons them and moves on into Arthur being sad yes you know and it's it's such a strange thing i mean i think we can both agree Joaquin in this movie is is incredible incredible it,
1: joaquin does an amazing performance he's so great i think the two best parts of this movie are him and the makeup and costumes yeah by landslide um but I will say I still feel concern, and it's honestly the same criticism I had of The Fanatic, where I don't think it's okay anymore to call it an excellent performance to lean into an undefined intellectual disability and call that evil. And so I think Joaquin did a lot. His physicality in this movie is amazing. That scene you're talking about with the shoe, incredible. Yeah. His whole mirror bit I could talk about for hours. Mm-hmm. He, His running, his sprinting was... Incredible. Yeah, that was. The I, thing I loved.
0: It. I loved about like because in my head when you tell me like what does the Joker look like? The Joker is like really lanky. Yes. And you know he seems to like he's kind of like Usain Bolt. Like he can take like three yeah. strides and he's already twenty yards down the road. Yes. Right. So seeing him run full tilt, it would like that was incredible. You know, I don't know if I've really seen Joaquin do a whole lot of like he did a bit of running in The Master, mm-hmm. but I've never seen him like lean into it like that or. Even when, I mean, I don't really entirely know why the movie did this, but there's a lot of Joker dancing in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, so, while... Which I'm fine with, all I, know, like, you- I mean, I don't know that I necessarily marry the two for what the story wants to do, mm-hmm. but watching Joaquin Phoenix in those dance sequences was pretty damn
1: cool. Completely agree. I think his dancing, his physicality was off the charts. Um, with the, Every time he sprints, I just was like, okay, I'm in this movie now. Mm-hmm. Like, that took me back into it. Every sprint... Um, A couple of his dances I really liked. A couple I was like, yikes, what am I watching? (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was my favorite part without question. But I really didn't like... And I I feel uneasy about it. I don't know the answer to it, really. Um, But I don't like the whole praising of a performance of leaning into an undefined disability and calling that a great performance of, of evil. I just feel tough. I don't know how I feel. I haven't really reconciled that yet. Yeah. But I'm uncomfortable with he plays a guy that's a little slow and maybe depressed and we're not sure what's up and he doesn't seem all there and that makes him a psycho. I just feel uncomfortable raising these types of performances. Yeah,
0: I what I kind of the way I look at it is he did he he took what was given to him and Mm -hmm. he actually he made it he actually made it better. I agree. Okay, if it if it wasn't for him, this film would be it's for me. It's already kind of a catastrophe, Mm -hmm. but it would have been just a complete carpet bomb Mm -hmm. of a movie. Like, and and I mean, we we've had with this character, we've had examples. Like, if you gave this exact same material to Jared Leto, no knock on Jared Leto's talent. This would be an absolute mess because I've yeah. seen what he sees in this kind of character. Totally. And it's not what Joaquin Phoenix sees mm-hmm. in this kind of character. So I'll give him props for giving what, taking what he was given and just doing something more that was on the page with him and saying that what was on page failed him.
1: Yeah, that's you know?
0: fair. It's, it's, that's the thing. Like, it's not like I want to tell people... See it for Jared. See it for Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Yeah, but it's I can look at a mess and say this worked and this worked and this worked, but a whole lot of other stuff didn't. I agree. Um, I mean, you know, to that end, the Gotham it portrays is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, um, we've always kind of, as fans of this story, been told that how you get to a man dressing up as a bat being your beacon of justice is things had to be really far gone. Yeah. And that's what this, the the city that this movie builds is very much that. Yeah. You know, uh, like right down to the the subways that are completely covered and just how there's garbage everywhere. Like it frames itself on a garbage strike and I don't think the whole world is going to go to hell over a garbage strike. (laughs) Yeah. But it kind of frames that as just one more thing. Um, Again, like you've you've seen like a zillion and one um, epitomes of Gotham over the years. How did that work for you?
1: I think it was good. I think portraying Gotham in, in a live action or in reality, whatever you want to call it, is really tough. Because the thing about Gotham is you have to find the balance between it being an absolute wasteland that needs a guy to dress up like a bat. Yeah. Also, as against the Wayne family living in luxury there. hmm So you really have to find a balance. I mean, now it's really easy to look at it and think, wow, this is about wealth and balance. You've got the Wayne family having these huge galas. Bruce is always at a gala, always. He's always coming up with a fake date for a gala. So why do we have this wealth and power and galas in a post-apocalyptic wasteland? So it's really tough to find that balance. I think the movie did a pretty good job. It did a good job by just ignoring the Waynes almost completely. I mean, it has the Waynes in there, but they feel like they don't belong they feel on. yeah they feel like slapped in there they don't belong um, so I actually think it was a really interesting portrayal to me what was cool about it is it felt like that New York from old action movies yeah. where as a kid I thought New York was the scariest place in the world because there was just crime and scary people yelling and you know there well, it was it was yeah you know
0: like that, that's the thing anybody who goes I've said this a, a trillion times on this show and, it, and like, like you say it, it really fascinates me that the city that New York is now is nothing like what it was 25 years yeah, ago.
1: Yeah, which we can still recall. Yeah. Which is crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah, so if
0: somebody watched a movie, like if somebody watched a movie like The French Connection, mm-hmm. um, they, they would be like, where, where is this? Like, yeah. is this is this in Beirut? Yeah. What's going on? And, and yeah, in Gotham, this version of Gotham is very much like that era of New York City.
1: Yeah, which felt plausible to me. As much as I, you know, wanted to pick it apart, it felt plausible because... In that era of New York City, there probably was a lot of extreme wealth. Mm-hmm. And there probably were people having galas not too far away. Yeah. So I was kind of into it. I thought it was cool. I didn't buy um, – the Waynes were parading around there. Yeah. But um, I thought it was kind of cool.
0: Um, it's it's funny. Like, to, to kind of skip ahead to the Waynes, uh, a couple things about them. One, like, one that, that kind of felt tacked on. <sighs> you know, in, in a lot of ways. That, that really am... felt ta- – one, that felt tacked on two. This is a movie that tries to shoehorn in Arthur is actually Thomas Wade's illegitimate child.
1: I have so many thoughts about that. Um, I think there's a lot to say about this. Um, I think this movie, if it was truly the story that Todd Phillips seems to be telling us it was... Yeah about an interesting version of a character that I could have taken as a as a one shot that was just about a man going mad and maybe he's a version of the Joker I could have accepted that yeah and I mean I still wouldn't I still don't think it was a successful version of that but it could have been that right but it tried to center itself in a DC universe yeah and by doing that it it really failed. Because I don't buy that this Joker has anything to do with the DC universe. It could have been a cool standalone story about a Joker-ish character. They named him Arthur Fleck. Yeah. Arthur Fleck is not a name that we've ever had associated with Joker before. Yeah. He's had a few real names. They've all pretty much been Jack Napier. Um, so Arthur Fleck is someone brand new, and it could have been that story. Mm-hmm. By shoving in the Wains, you're asking me to center it into this Batman universe, Yeah, and I couldn't. And it threw these twists in there, which these are probably the biggest spoilers, um, that maybe he's Thomas Wayne's illegitimate son. No. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That that is the bridge too far.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the bridges too far. In
0: in a better movie, that would have been the bridge too
1: far. Uh, It's just a major nope from me, um, And then it also flip-flops on that, which I think was even less successful. I think if you're going to go that route, go, go there. Yeah. Um, commit to it. It doesn't commit to it. And it's just so messy. And all of a sudden the Wayne's are there and there's this final scene with the Wayne's that just had no business being in this movie.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, like, like you say, uh, Batman and Joker having more in common than we care to believe, um, is certainly what makes them a fascinating, um, Pair of adversaries. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't for a moment want to think of them being half brothers. No, you know, like that, that, that's that's so like, <laughs> come on, like you know, no. that's way that's way too much on the nose and yeah. way too just in wrong in all kinds of ways. And the movie just doesn't even really commit to that. It's like, well, he might be, but he might not be. And here's this photo, and I've got to write initials on the back, and no, you're not. And it's like. Pick a lane, yeah, and and the lane that they pick is still the wrong lane, right? But that's like exactly like you say if if you want to paint this movie as a one shot or an else world or something like that, of this character that we're kind of used to, this is this might be where he came from, and we're gonna find a way to tie it into the larger universe, okay? But now you're really interweaving it into the regular universe in a very, very bad way. It would have almost been better if the wings had just been an other. Yes. You know, if they had been there in name only, but never in actual physical presence. Yeah. So yeah, so like you say, that is one of the steps too far in terms of trying to ingrain this into a larger universe. Mm -hmm. On top of the fact, and you alluded to it, that this movie decides to end with the Waynes being killed. (sighs) And you know, I I must quote my wife when I came back from this movie last night. If there are three things I never need to see on screen again, it's the Waynes being killed... Superman's dad dying, and Uncle Ben dying as well. I don't, like, we, don't, we we went so many years without seeing that. Now we've seen it enough times. We all know. Let's move on. There are other stories to tell.
1: Yeah, like, oh, it's hard for me not to go on 100 tangents, but I went to this really interesting DC panel uh, over a year ago at Fan Expo where they basically had all these big DC creators talking about all their stories. Right, And it seemed like... Uh, they have this shorthand for it called Pearls in an Alley. (laughs) And they kept going back to talking about the best in Batman stories and writing new Batman stories and continuing to create Batman stories. And they all just kept referencing Pearls in an Alley. Like, we never need to see Pearls in an Alley again. I'm done with Pearls in an Alley. And I started to, like, really adopt that and think of, like, that's the shorthand for I never need to see the Waynes die again. I know the Waynes die. And it was wild to me that in a Joker story (laughs) that purported to be something new and different... We still had to see pearls, pearls in an, in an alley. alley,
0: so it's yeah. I, it's like I, it, you know, I, I quote the line from from High Fidelity. It's like some people never got over Nam or the night their band open for Nirvana. <laughs> Batman never got over the fact that his parents were killed in an alley. That yeah. was, you know, when I was when you told me that you that Hush yeah. is actually a book that a lot of people don't like. That was one of the things I hated about it because, like, I fee- I swear to God, every tenth page he brings up that his parents were killed. I'm like. Dude, I
1: know he's so sad. Yeah, he's just so sad. Like about if this appearance. is a
0: party of you want. Looking for somebody else to talk <laughs> yeah. to, and yet it's in this movie,
1: and it's oh. there, and it's it's clunky. Like the again talking about balancing Gotham being a version of a wasteland and and a pinnacle of wealth is really tough, mm-hmm. and I won't buy that during this garbage strike where everyone's being told to stay inside because there's these protests. Thomas Wayne has been attacked by someone earlier. Yeah. His kid has been approached by a nut. Yeah. In, you know, at his home behind a gate. And they're telling, you know, the news is all stay inside, there's riots, and the Waynes are like, let's go check out a movie in the yeah. middle of Crime Alley.
0: Yeah. Let's you- let's cut let's cut out this back way. <laughs> what are in they the doing? Dark? Yeah.
1: Why would they be there? So in the richest family that are celebrities are like, you know what, let's go to the most dangerous part of town in the middle of these riots. and scope go a movie. And it just felt so tacked on. Like, just like the Waynes were tacked on completely, mm-hmm. that scene was just so unnecessary and so slapped in there. And I felt like the movie was begging me to be shocked and surprised and, like, wowed. Yeah. And I was just like, ugh.
0: And then, you know...
1: Girls in an alley.
0: And then, like, you know, kind of back to performances, we also have De Niro in this movie. Yeah. Who's got kind of an interesting role. Because on the yeah. one hand, he's... He's kind of, he's doing throwbacks to a couple of his previous roles. So his, even just his appearance in this movie is again kind of nodding us towards better versions of this story. Yeah. Wow. Totally. And in his De Niro way, I mean, it's crazy because for a long time, De Niro was really kind of out on this life raft of just doing comic goofy versions. He's actually a lot better in this movie at trying to keep it grounded.
1: He's great. I mean, De Niro's amazing. Um, De Niro's an excellent performer. He's he's so good. He's... You know, we try to... We tend to think of De Niro as this gangster character because that's how he's played so many times. Yeah, yeah. But he's a lot more agile than that. And I think that, you know, exactly. He's been on this comedy life raft doing movies like... What is it? Like Dirty Grandpa or whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Where you're like, well, what are you doing, De Niro? But you know what? He's got to get paid, sure. Um, But De Niro's really great. And I think we also... Associate him with great movies because he tends tends to do great movies. Yeah. So seeing him, you're kind of like, oh, phew. like he's almost our our beacon of hope in this movie. And I think he does a really really great job with what he's given. I think he's the only sympathetic character in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I think he's the only character that when you see him, you're almost refreshed because he's the only one who seems. Like, you like him. I think everyone else, even the characters that you like, you don't care about at all.
0: You can see what Arthur likes in him,
1: right? Yeah. But like,
0: he's he's disturbed in the way he relates to right. Murray. The, yes. the Arthur character's... Uh, um, De Niro's character's name is Murray, Murray something or other. I keep thinking uh, Griffin, and it's actually definitely <laughs> not that. Murray, Murray Franklin. He's this, <laughs> yeah. Murray Franklin, he's this, like, Johnny Carson-like exactly. talk show host who everybody loves and and you know uh, Arthur is drawn to him and his show and yeah. he kind of escapes into that show which again I feel like I've seen that before yeah. but all right let's sure. sure let's run with that um and yeah De Niro does a good job like you can see why yeah you know
1: De Niro's great um but again that final little interview segment um I think De Niro does the best with what he's given, but there was just no saving that scene. No. Um, It was so off of any logic in any universe no matter which one you created so even though you absolutely sympathize with him you also just think like no Murray's not gonna be you know pulling out his cue cards reading off questions for a murderer like it's crazy so I think he's great the whole rest of the movie um it's cool I mean it's intentionally trying to invoke uh king of comedy it's trying to bring us there and I think it's somewhat accidentally successful
0: only because it's De Niro (laughs) I mean the other cool thing is it's it does it did have me uh, flashing back to the pair of Joaquin Phoenix appearances on Late Night with David Letterman. The totally. one where he was really spaced out and doing his, his I'm not there that. thing. Yes. And the one where he came back and actually like copped to it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's it, like, Joaquin is not here right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's Joker. And watching that was, was really strange because the second he starts talking and starts acting that way, like you say, if if we're to understand this as a dark reality set in our world, mm-hmm. I, I don't buy that. Like yeah. at, a, at a certain point, Murray would have been like, "Nah, this is done." Yeah, you know, I am not going to keep on going down this road, especially once you admit to killing three people alive on TV. No, we are we are done here.
1: Technical difficulties. Yeah.
0: If you need any indicator, by the way, of how tone deaf this movie is, it features a dance sequence set to a song by a glam rock star who's been jailed for sexually abusing minors.
1: What are they doing? Why?
0: I, I mean, you're Warner Brothers, you've got all the money in the world, you've got Sinatra in this movie. <laughs> Clearly music budget is no issue.
1: For whatever reason, and this is just my own ignorance, I didn't even put together that that song was Gary Glitter. Mm. For some reason, it's just one of those things that my brain just never put together. So I didn't even know in that moment that it was him who's a monster pedophile, that didn't even occur to me. Watching the scene, which we'd seen in the trailers, which I think was set to probably some, like, sad version of a song about laughing. Who knows? Yeah. And (laughs) he's getting ready, and I associate that song with jock jams. Like, I'm, you know, I had it on a jock jams tape as a kid. I associate that with, like, saying the, you know, starting lineup for your Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, that's what I'm imagining when I hear that song. So I'm thinking, okay, this is the big moment. He has gone from Arthur... To Joker, this is it. This is a transition. This is you're about to see him come skipping down the sk- stairs, having completely left from reality and become Joker. Mm-hmm. And it was da, 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 da. hey, I was like, are you nuts, yeah, movie? Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Who?
0: Which music supervisor do I need to fire?
1: I <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I believe it. I think like, that's the kind of moment in in most movies. That's the kind of moment to assign. New classic status to a song. That's your tiny dancer moment. Yes. You know? You've got anything you can think of. You can completely change the context. You can take any crappy little ditty from wherever (laughs) and now turn it into something that everybody's going to be playing on Monday. Right. But that's what you choose?
1: That's what they chose. And Joker has been, in my opinion, failed a lot of times in music because... Every Joker movie, and this is probably a function of, like, post-2000s, mm-hmm. they, um, or Joker stories and Joker trailers, they always try to take a song that's about smiling, laughing, or joking yeah. and make a, like, a somber version of it. So yeah. we had in this movie, have Send in the Clowns. Oh, my God. For the trailer for Suicide Squad, they played um, I Started a Joke. Right. And that's, it's always, like, these on-the-nose, laughing clown joke songs. Yeah. And this somehow managed to be worse than that. Like, they had the opportunity to do better than Send In the Clowns. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, I know. Let's go with Gary Glitter. Let's get a Jock Jam song by a pedophile. Like, yeah. what are you doing, movie?
0: Dear God. <laughs> and, it, and the crazy thing is, it's actually, like, okay, first of all, again, it's the moment where the physicality of the performance and the look of it and everything, like, that is
1: iconic. Stunning. That is, that is an
0: incredible sequence mm-hmm. that they've done, both in terms of performance and capture. It's wonderful. And on top of everything else, getting the context of it of here's this staircase that we've seen him just drag his ass up over and over in this movie, and now here he is. First of all, descending it, yeah, and descending it with just such aplomb. Yes, you like this is your setup. This is your movie. That's it. You you want me to believe? And no, (laughs) I know. I was like waiting for it.
1: I was waiting for it so much, and I was so I was even though I was completely out of this movie. I was so excited for this moment, and I was just, I literally leaned over to my friend and went, no.
0: Oh, my dear God. Yeah, um, big. We have to talk about, like, the very end of this movie. So Joker goes on to Murray's show, the uh-huh. cops to these three killings, kills Murray on air. Yeah. Um, which, like, just, you know, everybody clears out because you can Funny. say what you want about, well, why doesn't somebody tackle him? Like, why doesn't security get in there? But mm-hmm. it's like, this is somebody who's clearly very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then sets Goth- like literally and figuratively sets Gotham on fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this was where, like all of this talk about, you know, mental health and mm-hmm. where somebody can go if they don't get the treatment and how dark somebody can go. this was the ultimate apex of all of that. Mm-hmm. And what this movie does seriously wrong in my opinion is it takes all of that and it lionizes it. Yeah, You know, we get to the end of that, Joker's pulled out, he's arrested, strangely, he's arrested, the cop car is hit by, by an ambulance, he is freed, and all of the uh, hoodlums who are basically ripping Gotham brick by brick prop him up, cheer his ass, raise their fists, and, and his silhouette is, is, you know, one of the things, the last things we see before we eventually cut back to he's been arrested again. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. No, 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 no. You can, you know, anybody, certainly you and, and, and other people like you can, can, like you say, appreciate and and be drawn to darkness and find it fascinating and yeah. and want to tell stories about it and, and even make it your protagonist. Mm-hmm. You cannot lionize it. Yeah. And that, for me anyway, was where this movie went to just right off the rails.
1: I agree. Um, I think, again, going back to just Joker as a character... I think, and this is a problem I have with a lot of superhero movies generally, is that, again, the more you ground it in realism, the more you're asking me to buy as a viewer.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think Sometimes by... Sometimes I really
0: want to beat up Christopher Nolan. because I, I think, can't. I think we were doing pretty well until we decided, <laughs> yeah. let's make it real.
1: Listen, if you ever want to do a seven-hour episode about Christopher Nolan's Batman <laughs> movies, <laughs> you you got, like, <laughs> okay, gotcha. I'm available. Gotcha. Um, I think the more you ground it in realism, the more you're asking of me. Mm-hmm or of your viewers, and I think that a scene like that, and I disagree with a lot of people, I really liked that last scene in a vacuum. Sure. I think that the Joker, um, one of his core elements is that he wants chaos and madness, but Joker's very calculated, so he likes chaos, madness, bad things happening and people dying, but he's still very calculated in achieving those things. And something that a calculated guy like Joker would do is allow people to lionize him for the wrong reasons because he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And so I think the Joker would not care about this political movement he started as long as it means people are lighting Gotham on fire. So I felt Joker in that moment when he stands up on that... I think he stands up on a car. Yeah, I felt Joker in that moment where he's... He, you know, Joker... Does not care what these people are protesting. He does not care what they're mad about. He's just like, you're lighting Gotham on fire? Amazing. Cool. If you want to lionize me for that, awesome. And that felt like Joker to me. But that's in a vacuum where I'm not considering that I've just been asked to view Joker as a broken guy who didn't get the mental health treatment that he needed. Right. So that makes that scene all wrong. Yeah. So, again, in a vacuum, that was essential Joker. But... That move, that scene didn't happen in a vacuum. That scene happened at the tail end of a story about a guy descending into madness because he's, you know, depressed and not getting the treatment that he needs, and then he shoots up some guys on a show. Kills his own mom. Yeah, like, like
0: shoots like you. You know what? Yeah, you got assaulted on a subway that does not give you license to kill them.
1: Exactly. So I think, I think that that scene sucks in the context of the whole movie, but I liked it. That's a joker scene. I like that as a think, joker
0: scene and with like if there was more movie after that, yeah. yes. But yeah. I think that's that what a lot of people have been wringing their hands over with this movie is what it says about this kind of character. Yeah. And what it says is certainly how you leave him.
1: Right. And you're asking me again as a Joker fan or as a Joker viewer or reader or whatever, you're asking me again to accept that version of him. So mm-hmm. when I go back and I, you know, read another Joker story where he does something mad. You're asking me to, and and not that I'm saying that this is telling me that this is canon and I have to view every Joker story through this lens, but you're asking me to view this kind of a story that I've liked about Joker. I like that he's mad. I don't like that he's killing people, obviously. I like it as a story. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be asked to view that on the tail end of a sad guy named Arthur starting this. And I think that that scene asks me to do that. So what could have been a cool Joker scene, by grounding it in this origin that they've created, it's become a very problematic, messy, gross scene where I'm supposed to look at, you know, a guy who was depressed, didn't get his treatment, shot up some people and now stands on a car and celebrates. I'm supposed to view it that way and view Joker that way. And I, that was just the wrong ask. No,
0: no, it's, I mean, you know, like not even getting into the fact that the scene, I I, kind of had to turn my head and squint for a minute because leading into that, the scene, Directly references The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. like the the in in the back of the cop car. The cop it's, car. It's a bold move. It's <laughs> a really like I'm like you are you're gonna reference possibly the greatest time this person's been epitomized on this mm-hmm. film in your messy film. Alrighty, mm-hmm. good yeah. luck.
1: Yeah, and also, what? like the last oh not the last version of the Joker but one of the more recent celebrated versions of the Joker was that exact moment like that's what you picture if you look up Joker Dark Knight Jif you're gonna see him with his head out of a cop car I mean like
0: like you know you've been saying in a vacuum in a vacuum yeah. it's actually a neat little parallel of the first time he was in the back of the cop car he was just kind of resigned and slumping and looking Yeah. and later on in his life he's now got his head out the window and he's just like whipping the wind okay neat yeah. but sorry that movie is not in the same world as this movie don't you dare start to point towards the better version yeah oh my god I know you know we haven't even talked about the fact that this movie was a bad idea at the best of times Mm -hmm. and coming out now Mm -hmm. is just so much worse
1: so yeah Joker's a tough one to talk about honestly as a Joker fan I resent this movie for making me have to talk about him this way
0: yeah
1: um and that's kind of, you know, bigger than the movie itself. I'm upset that I feel, like, and this is a ridiculous thing to be upset about, but yeah. I'm upset that I had to defend the character from people who've now decided that he's like an incel edgelord type, and that sucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: that that was, that's the part that sucks, is is if, you know, you want to, he, he showed up fully formed. Yeah. And we've always had these weird versions of where he came from, and I'm sure you're going to talk about a few of them mm-hmm. when we get into the other side. Yeah. Um... A few versions of what happened to him, and usually what happened to him is something catastrophic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as simple as he just had a shit life yeah. and just snapped. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was usually something just far far worse than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, like in the nineteen eighty nine movie, he fell into chemicals. And yep. Yeah, it, it messed with his head. If somebody who was already a little on edge as it was, yeah, I've thought about this, that. This, yeah, that that would have been hard, and that would have been hard at the best of times. And unfortunately, we're not in the best of times. I agree. So you know, sorry people who are saying, but how was the movie? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, the movie in itself is problematic. Right. And unfortunately, we can't just talk about it in itself because that's not the world we live in.
1: Listen, it was, what, grade 8 English class that we learned about contextual analysis? Yeah. And you can't just review a movie or talk about it. I mean, listen, we were recognizing a few minutes ago that Raging Bull is different now than it was when it came out. And Joker came out now and it's important to analyze it that way and we can ignore that and yeah so i think that it's not fair to not look at the movie through this lens and i also think it sucks as a joker fan to look at joker through this lens yeah yeah and so i resent when people are like but don't you realize joker's always been bad like no way (laughs) like I know.
0: Yeah. And yeah, Joker's always been (laughs) bad. So maybe this wasn't the best time to do this. Yeah, but I know. Like, we're not talking about something that... Like, it would have been unfortunate if something had have happened... And I mean unfortunate in its very loosest terms, right? Mm -hmm. I don't really feel sad for anybody associated with this movie because they're all rich. Yeah, Um, Yeah. It would have been unfortunate if something had happened within the last two or three months Mm -hmm. of of a project that had been in the work for two years and then just right when it was arriving, you know, the world just went to shit and now we have to see that reflected. That's not what this was. Right. You know, and and this 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 is something that's that's already been progressing, that's already been gestating, mm-hmm. and you see, like I mean, if you didn't see it in your movie, you're blind, mm-hmm. and if you did see it and you decided to, you know, amplify it in your movie, you're irresponsible.
1: Agree, and it wasn't essential to this story or no. to Joker. Um, if you wanted to make a Joker movie because comic book movies are what's up right now. Yeah. And DC is trying to come back against Marvel. You know, Marvel's got the cinematic universe. They've been incredibly successful at it. And DC's trying their best. And I think that it was a great idea for DC to say, let's do some one-offs. Sure. I think it was brilliant. It was, they can't compete with the cinematic universe, try something different. I think it was brilliant. But this version of a story is not essential to Joker. So you could have made a million different Joker stories that weren't like this at all. Mm -hmm. And that was a choice that the movie made or the filmmakers made. They didn't have to make it a story about sad, depressed guy goes mad. It could have been, yeah, okay, Joker's always been associated with, you know, mental illness in such a way that... Arkham Asylum is important, and a lot of his stories are about him being mad. I mean, I'm using the word "mad" to describe him because that's how you describe the character Joker.
0: He is, but you know, like we're we're not we're not trying to slam people who have mental health issues. Yeah. But people who have mental health issues, you know, don't kill people for fun, right? Which Joker just does now and then. Yeah,
1: now. and so yeah, like the word "mad" is slapped on him in in stories in history, and I'm using "mad" to be different than yeah, um, you know mentally ill. Maybe those are very similar terms, but I'm trying to to separate them for the purposes of this. So you could have made a Joker story a hundred different ways. It was a choice to make it about a mentally ill guy who goes crazy. That was a choice that they made. Um, So they couldn't, they don't get to say, well, we're making a Joker movie and that's just how it turned out. They made it this way on purpose.
0: And, you know, like to put a point on that, when the world is on fire, I don't really need a prose poem about the person who invented the match. Ooh. Sorry, guys. I like that. Um, we end. We could be talking about this movie for days, <laughs> yeah. and I really almost do want to, which yeah. is so strange for a movie I don't like. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the thing is, if anybody wants to talk to me about why I don't like this movie, I am more than happy to have conversations. Yeah. Don't come at me, and don't come at people like Lindsay. Certainly don't come at people you don't know for you didn't get it. It's yeah. Like, no, 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 I got uh, it. I get it. I don't like it. And that's, that, that's, that's a really you know, honest thing to say, you want to like it? Cool. I may have opinions about you and you know, I may want to ask you why, but don't come at somebody because they don't like it because it's the world we live in right now. We do end every matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Yeah. And Travis, you, you have, I'm sure you have all kinds of actual joke souvenirs. Yeah. Um, That's true. What would you take from this movie and keep if you could?
1: Uh, Oddly, I had a lot of things that I wanted to keep, despite that I never want to hear about it or talk about it again. (laughs) Um, Even though I can't shut up about it. Um, The murray set would be awesome to do like a joker bit like a joker bit um a kramer bit like murph griffin style Yeah, yeah but honestly i think a piece of the um makeup paraphernalia like the lipstick or the mirror i really love makeup application in movies which is something you'll probably hear me talk about more later okay um and i love that i did really like the scene of him applying his makeup like war paint which you mentioned earlier and i got psyched so yeah i'd take his makeup mirror maybe his lipstick
0: I, uh, it's, it's it's funny actually. I, don't, I I have like such a. I, it's my own question, and I really didn't think yeah. about it too much. Um, I think for me, I would take. I would take his suit. Yeah, that you was know, another one I thought of. It's. Um, I mean, okay. You know, like one thing I got to give the movie props for is, it's ballsy to make a Joker movie and not put him in purple totally you no know? so like i'm like you're you're really you're you no, that that's Burgundy. very that's very red yeah, um, yeah you know right. it's, it's it's like again you know that was one of those things where i was like okay this is an else world mm-hmm. you know this is not the joker i know this is a joker mm-hmm. and okay cool and like he looks very garish and very cheap the way the joker usually does but he's always in some shade of purple right this yeah. is leans more towards red Yeah. Um, Orangey, burnt red, burgundy, like you say. Um, but that, that's the thing. I like the suits, they look cheap and shitty, but they also look really cool. Yeah. So I'd like one of those suits. One of those suits. Um, we rate here on the Matinee Cast on a scale of one to four stars. Lindsay Travis, Joker lover. What do you give this movie on a scale of one to four? And you can use halves.
1: I'm gonna give it a two. Wow. I want to give it a passing grade. I've started to dislike it more over time. Mm. I want to give it a passing grade because I thought. It was beautiful. I thought I had some cool moments. Uh, On the suit, I think, again, I give so much props to the makeup and costumes for this movie. One of the coolest things is that if you notice, Arthur is wearing all of those items matching in other iterations. Yeah. Yeah. And then later, when he becomes a Joker, he puts all these mismatched things together, and it looks like a Joker suit. Which I thought was just beautiful. (laughs) So, I'm giving it a two, because visually it was fine. I wasn't super bored, um, so like I'm gonna let it like pass the passing yeah. grade.
0: I want to give it a two, um, but I can't get past how gross I felt at the end. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I if I I, I I go the other way, I make allowances mm-hmm. for bad movies that make me feel good things. And that's not what this is. This movie yeah. left me feeling really gross. Yeah. Um, and on top of it. This movie is terribly timed. If, yeah. if this movie had come out 10 years ago, I might think something very different. Um, it didn't, it came out now, and I think something very different. So I gotta go with like one and a half. He's amazing, yeah. and it looks incredible, but this story is just something I can't square myself to on its own on top of the fact that it's taking something so iconic and trying to pull it and shoehorn it and do all these weird things um hey you may think that we're both wrong uh let me know you may think that we're both right let me know Ryan at the matinee.ca twitter or at matinee underscore ca or facebook.com what do you think of joker the character and the movie and whatever else um we are going to take a quick break and come right back and talk about some more movies after this it's the other side come on back she's Lindsay Travis I'm Ryan McNeil it's Matt cast 231 we've been yelling about Joker <laughs> for an hour or so um, but we're gonna flip the record over and play the other side talk about some other movies other entities uh, Lindsay's gonna uh, take us into this strange world of uh, funny books um, oh yeah but um, tell us um, if people wanted to maybe see a like I think really, truly, on the whole, we're gonna be talking about better versions of what this movie tries to lay down. Mm-hmm. So I usually say for better or for worse, but like for better, where could somebody go if they wanted to move on from Joker and maybe see a better incarnation of this this type of story?
1: I had a really hard time with this, honestly. really. Yeah, okay. because I think that um this movie, what it on purpose or not on purpose, I think it was trying to do was dance with handling grief and mental illness, mm-hmm. which I think is a very is very ripe subject matter sure um I think it's very relatable. I think a lot of people unfortunately deal with grief and mental illness, and I think there's there's so much there that this movie kind of dances with and didn't do a great job. personally, I think the best versions of grief on screen are comedies yeah uh, I think it's a you know I think it's a really great way of handling it and exploring it um so uh, I don't know why I feel, the, feel so compelled to plug this, because it's not something I made, but Gary Gullman's uh, comedy special actually comes out today okay. uh, called The Great Depression on HBO, and I've seen, you know, some clips. And so Gary is the, um, comedian that appears briefly in the scene in the, uh, comedy club. Mm -hmm. He's a really excellent comedian. Um, for those who remember Tourgasm a long time ago with Dane Cook, uh, he was one of the comedians on that show, and he famously, uh, left for a bit. He left the show and didn't come back for a while, and it was part of him struggling with depression, which never really came out so now he's on this really cool comedy special that's, like, part documentary, part his comedy special. Just talking about mental illness and how it affected him in a very, very funny way. So, oddly enough, I think that's a really good way of exploring uh, similar themes in a more productive and exciting and fun way. And it's crazy. It manages to be funny in this woke culture. That's, um, that's cool. so, and that's on, like, Netflix now? It's on HBO today, actually. Okay. Yeah, like...
0: like, I'd seen you tweeting about it this mm-hmm. week, um, and I hadn't really put two and two together on... Like, I'm, he's not a comedian that I yeah. am as, as familiar with. Um, so I, I kind of, like, and I didn't want to, I already knew so much about this movie. Yeah. I didn't really want to dig too far in and really learn more. But that, so that was what that's going on about. Yeah. I'm, I'm just realizing, by the way, you have Joker on your phone as well. I do have Joker so case, on my phone. So again, in case anybody wants to know,
1: you <laughs> I do know, really who like I have
0: on this show. Um, the, the you know, just, just kind of tie it off. This kind of must have killed you. It really not did. To, not to enjoy, it's, uh, the only thing I could think of it that was probably my equivalent was when when Man of Steel didn't land. Yeah. You know, I'd been waiting for a Superman movie for a long time, like mm-hmm. a, a new one, and it was that kind of mess. I was like, come on. So, yeah. so I feel your pain.
1: It hurt me. Yeah, yeah it, it hurt, hurt me a
0: then, lot. You kind of actually alluded to mine in in the main review, and I don't think this movie is trying to hide this association, but the first movie I thought of when in in relationship to Joker um, is The King of Comedy. Yeah. Um, The set of Murray's show is very, very um, evocative of Jerry Mm Vale's show, uh, Jerry Vale's set on that movie, this kind of classic 1980s late night set. Um, Again, you've got Robert De Niro who plays uh, Rupert Pumpkin in that movie. Mm -hmm. He's the host in this one. So, I mean... The movie knew, the movie knew yeah. that, that that is not an accident that they got that kind of character doing that kind of thing. But the king of comedy, again, dealing with somebody who's not exactly tethered to reality, does it with so much more grace. Yeah. And the thing I love about that movie actually is in relation to kind of how we're talking about this movie and how we're talking about what does and doesn't work is that's a movie that was panned. Yeah. When it came out, people hated it. There were, there were people who called it like the worst movie of that year. You know, yeah. they they didn't get it. They, I, you know, Scorsese was at the height of doing stuff like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and and, and that kind of thing. And then he comes back with this small story of a uh, uh, probably mentally ill, but certainly not all their weirdo of mm-hmm. Rupert Pupkin who just wants to be famous. Yeah. And and Joker kind of seemed to be pulling on that thread with him wanting to be a stand-up comic, but it kind of abandons it.
1: Yeah. I So my initial quick answer when I first saw that question was, the answer is King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. Yeah. And the movie, like, Joker is very intentionally trying to get us to think of King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. It is. It's not. It's on its face. Yeah. Um. But then, so at first I was like, yeah, you need to see those to, to really, you know, talk about Joker. But then I thought, am I giving Joker too much credit by putting it beside those movies? Or am I intentionally saying to you... Watch the right version of that. <laughs> yeah, and I
0: mean, that's what I like about doing these kinds of conversations is yeah. sometimes it's sometimes it's a matter of, well, you like that, you're going to like this. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's, well, that didn't do it so well, go see this one that it's trying to mimic. Yeah. You know, like, I, that's the one thing I've liked about my, um, you know, my movie fandom as I've gone older, is going back and seeing, oh, that's where they got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think when I finally totally. saw, when I finally saw Battleship Potemkin, I was like, oh, The Untouchables got it from there. Oh, I got it.
1: Do you know that I saw Cape Fear for the first time, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago? And then I was like, oh, that's the Sideshow Bob bit. Oh,
0: my God, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, growing up a Simpsons fan, there's a lot of stuff that gets a lot funnier. So much, and I was
1: like, wow, and then, yeah, even the the score, everything, and I was like, wow, I did not notice that it was just a straight-up Cape Fear parody. So there Um, you go.
0: No, King, like King of Comedy. Um, I mean, it'll be. I haven't revisited it in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day when we did this show, I used to. We used to just pick one movie each yeah. and rewatch it, and sometimes those rewatches could be really illuminating. I'm a little scared just because I don't. Again, kind of, kind of like what I was saying with *Raging Bull*. I don't yeah. know what I'm going to think of Rupert Pupkin in a modern context. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's destructive in some ways, but in other ways he's kind, You you do have pity for him. Yeah. Um, obviously, I like no matter how problematic it may seem now, yeah. it's certainly not going to seem as problematic as Joker. Um, but yeah, I do like seeing that kind of thing of directors working like at the top of their game of, yes. of seeing movies that become um, reclaimed, right? Because everybody was at the time was just ready to kind of. Write Scorsese off after mm-hmm. after his early successes and be like, eh, the guy kind of seems like he's lost it. Yeah, um, and he had for a while he was making some very different movies in the eighties. Like he would make Color Money after mm-hmm. that, and After Hours was after that, which now people adore. Yeah, you know, I'm sure those those screenings at Lightbox are going to be like sold out. Oh, without doubt. But at a doubt. the time, everybody was like, eh. yeah. So, true. Uh, what else he got?
1: Um, I also was thinking it would be cool to look at stories that inspired the Joker character, okay. Okay. not this Joker. Right. So um, I think that um, the man who laughs, which is a very old creepy movie, um, well, maybe not intentionally, uh, is a lot of what Joker, the character, was based on. Okay. So we, I think it's, like, cool to look at that and see the image of it, which I'm sure if you Google it, it'll come up pretty quickly, it looks like the Joker. Hmm. Um, when you see it, you're like, oh, that guy's Joker. Right. Um, and so that really inspired his aesthetic and his, his mannerisms Where as drawn. is it from? Oh, my gosh. It's, like, a black and white old, I don't know. Let's find out. Like, are we talking,
0: like, 50s or 30s or? Because, because that's the thing, like, the... the... Kind of netter's thing about Joker is it's a very old character now. He's almost, he's 40. almost as yeah. I was gonna say he's almost as old as like DC itself.
1: Yeah, well, so Joker's in Batman One, right? Joker's always been there. He wasn't supposed to stick around. Uh, yeah, so the man who last came out in
0: 1928. Oh, so yeah, so it probably did. Oh, it, haunt, it like, like it, from, it from the very top.
1: Absolutely okay. did. And I'll show, I mean, google.ca, but for. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah of course, right. The image associated with him, there's been comics. There is a Joker comic called The Man Who Laughs, and the cover is very much that. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Joker's been around for the 40s. He's gone through a lot of iterations. So, when he first came out, he was supposed to be a one off. He ended up being a huge success. Comics code, and he was always scary. He came in scary. Um, Comics Code happened so he became super jokey right. uh, and that's kind of what you're like thinking of your Romero version of him is a very jokey version of him obviously his name's Joker um, and then around 70s he started to become grounded again and being pretty scary um, and he's pretty much been scary ever since um, so yeah there's anyway a lot there I think it would be cool to kind of go back to zero and kind of look where Joker came from so if you feel like watching a 1928 film that would be cool that's one,
0: that's one that I haven't seen um, you know again another one that we mentioned in the main review that I think has has got a, a good placement here um, is The French Connection. Yeah. Um, this version of Gotham mirrors that version of New York. Uh, anytime you get, you know, that era of Subway, that's kind of one of those things that I yeah. think of a lot. Um, I was actually thinking, it, it's strange that two of the big comic book movies this year have ties to French Connection. Because... Yeah you had it in Captain Marvel as cool. well because there, yeah, was a, there was the car versus subway chase that that movie did so iconically. So that, well. As much as I adore Captain Marvel, that, that was not near as good as the car chase in, in French Connection. Um, French Connection, I, I I enjoy as a movie of compromise morals, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's a movie that famously had a cop murdering mm-hmm. a suspect. Like he he shoots one of his a corrupt that he's trying to catch, he shoots him in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, that was really, a really just dismissed of, that. that's murder. Yep. I, I don't care if he, that, that's a that's a criminal. That's murder. Yeah. Right? Um, and the whole idea of how far we're willing to go in the name of justice, I think, fits this universe Very
1: true. really, really well.
0: Because um, Popeye Doyle, uh, the um, Gene Hackman character mm-hmm. in that movie, he's... He breaks a lot of rules in the name yeah. of justice, of just like Batman does. Um, and and Very he, apt. It, sorry, you know that. Yeah. I, I think again, kind of a better version of what this movie is trying to lay down. You've seen it, obviously. You yeah. adore it, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Who doesn't? Who's amongst us?
0: I but I, I I feel like there's a lot of people who still haven't seen it. Like it's <laughs> yeah. one of those ones from the '70s, even though it was a Best Picture winner. Yes. Yeah, um. Really... That, that that's kind of gotten shuffled.
1: Popular answer to your classic, you've never seen question,
0: probably. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, but it's, so that, that, that was another one that I went to, um, for sure. What else you got?
1: So I'm cheating. Okay. Because when I first saw your question, I was like, oh, can I recommend Joker comic books? And you were like, no movies. So then I was like, cool, Joker animated movies. Oh, uh, are really cheating.
0: I really so <laughs> I will let you bring up some comic books too, just because I was
1: uh, Oh, I'm part. absolutely going to. <laughs> you can't stop me. Um, <laughs> I've got
0: that well in <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: you can't stop that. There's nothing you can do. Um, I think... Uh, an unfortunate thing, it's, it's tough to recommend this, um, for, for some Batman fans, uh, they made um, relatively recently an animated version of The Killing Joke. So for those not familiar, um, they make these really great DC animated movies where they, A, make new stories that are very comic booky that are these animated, usually about 90 minutes, uh, movies. And they also do these shot-for-shot things, so they change them a bit sometimes, but for instance, there's um, The Dark Knight Returns has been made into a two-part comic book cartoon movie, and they're really great. A few of them are on Netflix. You should check them out. Okay. Um, And they're pretty famous for them, and they recently did one for The Killing Joke, which is one of the most popular, talked about, agonized over comic books, maybe of all time, and it is a Joker origin story that you can kind of sense a little bit in this movie, and it's short. It's an Alan Moore story. It's very short. You could probably read it in 10, 15 minutes. Mm So that's not a lot for a movie, and they thought it'd be a cool idea to extend the story for this animated mo- feature, and they blow it. They did oh, a, no! yeah, they did a horrible <laughs> job that completely just misinterprets everything and just is a horrible version of Joker that wants to be grounded in a very popular Joker story. So it would be an interesting uh, side-by-side to see another version of what happens when someone misinterprets uh, source material and creates a bad version of the Joker.
0: Crazy, because one of the first (laughs) conversations we ever had was about the Mm Killing joke. Um, And, uh, you know, that was actually, like, one of my... When I first really, really got back into comics, about ten years ago now, um, you know, I, I'd read them as a kid, and I'd read them a little bit growing up. But it's it's really and truly been like a ten year uh, thing for me. That was one of the ones that, that brought me back in. Mm-hmm. Um, was was reading that for the first time, uh, back to front and or front to back, um, <laughs> and I remembered talking about it since. And and kind of you know, kind of like what you're saying, like when you wear a Stormtrooper t shirt, people are like, did you know? And mm-hmm. you know, we our conversation was. How do you square that? Yeah. Right? And, I wanted to, and I genuinely wanted to know, because I hadn't had a conversation with somebody who really likes Joker and likes Killing Joke. And I'm like, this is yeah. a movie that, this is a book that did this. And talk to me about it. And, and you talked quite eloquently about it. Um, and it's, I, I, the best thing I've ever heard about it was somebody saying, it's unfortunate that it came the way it did. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it is a problematic story. It mm-hmm. um, has more of its problems in terms of how it was okay and how it was developed. Yeah. than what's actually in it. What's actually in it is kind of bad, yeah. not kind of bad. What's in it is bad, Yeah. but it's not as bad as how it got there. Sure. And which everybody's like, all right, you know, what? it exists. We have to deal. Yeah. What I remember um, being curious about now knowing that it's, it was botched in terms of being <laughs> interpreted yeah. was my general consensus was it exists. We don't need to interpret it now. We can right. kind of move on and maybe pull from it, but not directly interpret it when I heard that they were making it into an movie, and now you're yeah. telling me that even despite all of those misgivings, they still drop the ball?
1: They drop it oh, from a height. Oh, my goodness. Um, there's an honest trailer for it <laughs> um, that hits the nail so on the head, and the first thing they say is that they're putting out fire with gasoline, and it's exactly what they did. I mean, wow. if you know the killing joke, you know that it's got an unfortunate... Um, Story for Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. She's very much an accessory that gets hurt for no reason than to be there. Um, you know, as the female who gets hurt is, you know, to inspire the men, and that sucks. She gets French. Yeah, big time. And that sucks. Um, and so the movie is like, oh, cool, we'll give her a story. But her story is that she has a crush on Batman and it makes her not want to fight crime anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. And in order to fight crime, she flirts with the villain. So it sucks. It's really, they quite put out the fire with gasoline. Um, so yeah, if you want to see another um, you know version of what happens when the wrong people make a Joker story, okay. that's one I'd recommend. Okay. Or instead, you could watch some good versions of Joker. Yes, please. Um, there's some other really great animated DC movies. Anyway, there's an Arkham Asylum one that is really great. Um, Under the Red Hood is really great. And Return of the Joker, which is a Batman Beyond story that is awesome Mm -hmm. and scary it's very good to supplement some of the scariest joker stories because it takes place in a canon after a lot of the most scary joker stories okay so it um in a lot of ways relates to uh death in the family um so i think it's a very very cool exploration of the of the Depth of his madness. Oh, man.
0: These, yeah. are, these are going to be some, some good ones to revisit after. Kind yeah. of get some of the taste of this out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, when I was thinking about this movie, I thought about how at its center is an antihero and mm-hmm. how we're having this moment where we have to look long and hard about antiheroes and what we think of them and, and, and whatnot. On top of the fact that you want to hang this story on a person with mental health issues. So mm-hmm. I was trying to think to myself, okay, where can I find an antihero mm-hmm. with mental health issues, that I think is still a good portrayal. Ooh. And I came down with whichever version, because I think they're both actually really good. Um, pick either the Swedish or American Girl with the Dragon Tattoo.
1: Interesting. Because
0: Elizabeth Salander is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. They, they, they bring that up, that she's, that she's there. and And yet, first of all, she is still able to function in this yep. world and and use her abilities for a good purpose. She is still morally compromised mm-hmm. because uh, she thinks nothing of killing or if she does it's not present mm-hmm. in the in, in the sco- scope of these stories and just like Arthur Fleck she has every reason to go haywire mm-hmm. on the whole damn world because she has been dealt a very shit hand over the course of her life. And yet she chooses not to, you know? So I feel like if somebody wants to tell a story about a system that's failed somebody and mental health and somebody being on the spectrum, this is a story to point people towards and how it's actually, you know, she is one piece in a much larger puzzle. Yeah. You know, I think that was, you were always going to have a problem pushing Jay front and center in this story because he works best as a piece in a bigger puzzle. So really. I I went to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The Swedish one is what happens when you take David Fincher out of a David Fincher movie. <laughs> yeah, the David Fincher version. Um, you know, in some ways, it's going to seem strange because I mean, it's it's set in Sweden, but they're speaking English. Right. Um, but I feel like it's it's that you could go with either one, and they're both because yeah, the performances in them are also both really different. New yeah. and Pass um, and. Rooney Mara do different things yeah. with the character and they both work.
1: Yeah. So I that agree. was my
0: that was my poll. It's like if you want to see if you want to go to something better, yeah. That, that was my poll.
1: I uh, think that's great. I love that answer. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's so good. And I love those movies. I think it really sparks the conversation that I really like um the difference between an antihero and a villain. And unfortunately they're very often seen to be the same thing. Joker mm-hmm. is not an anti-hero. No. Joker's a villain. I think trying to make him an anti-hero is misguided. Yeah. Um, And so I love that. Yeah, she's a great anti-hero. Like, in talking about, like, you know, Dexter is not great ultimately, but Dexter is a very cool anti-hero story. Yeah. That's an anti-hero. Yeah.
0: And that's, I mean, that's, that is where a lot of these stories are having trouble holding up. Yeah. Is the more the world changes, the more we think it's not really cool to spend that much time with Walter White. Right, anymore, true. You know, and and yet we want to and we love to. And it's like, yeah. okay, I, I believe that we can get a little bit more hero Yes. out of these antiheroes.
1: And there again, there's a marked difference between antihero and villain. And I think what's cool about Walter White is he goes from antihero to villain. Mm-hmm. Um, the protagonist is no longer him by the end of the series, I think.
0: A TV critic that I really love was saying this week that uh, they've been talking to a lot of people saying that rewatching. watching Breaking Bad, knowing where it goes, Mm. makes you really like him a lot less from the start. I could see that. Versus watching a show like Lost and being able just to go with the characters and not give a shit about the mystery actually Mm. makes you like that show a lot more.
1: Interesting. It's really strange. Anything else? That's it. All right. Me too. I promise. Um,
0: There we go. Um, Welcome back, everybody. That is episode 231. of the matinee cast. Um, I'm so thankful for Lindsay to come in, for coming by and talking about all things good and bad with, uh, with Batman and Joker. Um, come on back. Um, we're going to take uh, a little bit more time off, uh, but we're going to come back with a few episodes uh, all stacked in a row to kind of make up the ground. Um, we're coming back at the end of the month, Monday, October 28th, for episode 232. I'm pretty sure we will be discussing Jojo Rabbit. Ooh. Yeah, looking forward to seeing and talking about that. Um, Lindsay can be found um, all over the place. You can be found... Um, Oh, where did we say at the top of the show? You can find me... Daily Dread, Nightmares, Conjurings, Dread Central. Where? What do you got coming up that you want to plug?
1: Yeah, well, my Joker review is on Dread Central. So okay. if you are looking for... That's where I am there. So if you're looking for more of my thoughts on the movie, in case you didn't get enough, <laughs> that's the place to go. Um, but yeah, I'm going to meet a few things coming up. I think the best way to find out would be to follow my Twitter. Um, Which people should be doing anyway. Yeah, why not? Where can they find you? Uh, it's Smash Travis, so S M A S H, and then my last name is spelled T R A V E S. Like ask Trace.
0: Smash?
1: Uh, it's actually a really like old joke. Remember in The Simpsons the character Lt. Smash?
0: Yeah.
1: So my initials are Lt. Most people have always called me Lt. When that character came out, I became Lt. Smash. Gotcha. And ultimately, I became Smash. Gotcha. So there you go. And I know everyone where... always thinks I'm Ashley, and I'm like, no. No, no I'm was not was like, like, I know there is a story. <laughs> yeah, know, really. that's what um, it is. But yeah, Smash Travis would be the
0: best way to find yes. out where I am. Um, my site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to the slash podcasting. You can also find them all over the place. Um, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry. Uh, if there's any podcatcher that you use that uh, does not have my show, let me know and I will put it there. Um, and whatever Apple is doing with the iTunes store these days. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Joker can be left in the comment section of the site uh, or any of the other things we talked about today. Uh, comment section of the site, email me, ryanathematinee.ca, Twitter, or on matinee underscore CA, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee.
1: That's it. That's it? If you ever want to talk about Joker, I'm available. <laughs> uh, because, as you can tell, I have a lot to say. Indeed. Not the movie, the character.
0: Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, for Lindsay and Joker, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee
1: i okay.